Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here, especially if this is your first time listening. And I know you might be thinking, ah, this is a hundred and some episodes in. I'm late to the game, maybe too late. Never fear, we've got you. You can listen to every single episode of the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. So, you know, you can catch up. You can't listen to true crime podcasts all the time. They're depressing. Listen to this one. Laugh a little. Learn a little. (laughs) That's what we're all about. This is a great first episode to check out if this is your first time listening because our guest is awesome. Her name is Elena Rudkowski, and she is a senior copywriter at McCann. McCann is one of the best ad agencies in the country, and she's worked on a ton of really great campaigns, including Mucinex. And some comedians might be thinking, yeah, but that's copywriting, not comedy. Can I really get anything from this episode? Yes, you absolutely can. When you hear her talk about the process she goes through in creating her work, It's going to sound similar to the process us comedians take when we create our work. So you will definitely learn a lot. It'll just be from a different perspective. And that is the point of the podcast overall, is to help creators of any variety figure out new ways that they can just crack the code on the work that they are trying to create. And this is a fun episode. Elena is so fun. She's really cool. She's really nice. I think she's got a lot of really great information to give you. Why don't we just get right to it? Here's my chat with Elena Rudkowski. It's so cool that you are from Brooklyn. I do really appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's been it's been really um it's been really interesting kind of watching the city change so much or the borough, I should say. Um, a lot of my coworkers will be like, oh, I live in Brooklyn. And I'll say, oh, where? They're like, Williamsburg. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know if I consider that super Brooklyn. Well, yeah. But, what is super Brooklyn to you? You know, I kind of think of home. So I think, I think, you know, I grew up in Kensington, Brooklyn, which is now kind of known as Ditmas Park. Mm-hmm. And that place has completely evolved, yeah. um, you know, especially in the last couple of years. But then my family is from Midwood, Brooklyn, where Bernie Sanders is actually from. So they're, uh-huh. they're his neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> and I went to high school um, where uh, Chuck Schumer graduated from my high school. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg graduated from my wow. high school. So a lot of people <laughs> don't know about these places in Brooklyn, but they're, you know, they're a little bit more suburban. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a little bit more homey. There's not a lot of really tall buildings. There's no like high rises, you know. And now, and now there's a little bit more of that, especially in South Brooklyn. Uh-huh. But um, you know, we have beaches there. A lot of people don't know that. They're like, yeah. well, to Rockaway this weekend, and I'm like, why did you take an hour and a half train ride when you could have taken like a 40 minute train ride to you know Brighton Beach or Coney Island Beach or even Manhattan Beach? So it's it's been interesting to kind of um, watch the the borough really change and 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 kind of enter this new 
cultural um, dimension that I feel like never existed as much as when I was growing up there. Okay. So, yeah. I have been going to Rockaway. And, yeah. And so I should be going to Brighton Beach? I mean, you could be going anywhere. Where do you, where do you live? I live in Gowanus. Okay. So I feel like that's a longer commute for you to go to Rockaway. You can just take the F train to um, to Coney Island Beach, get off by the aquarium. It's, it's I don't know. I feel like it's, it also feels a little bit more beachy there as well. What at uh, Coney Island? Yeah. And, yeah. and there's a little bit of history there as well. It gets more crowded. For sure. I'd, and that's the thing is how crowded it gets there. Yeah. And, and we go to Far Rockaway. We go like first thing Sunday morning. So it's, you know, a little easier. <laughs> Yeah. there's not a lot of people and there's some nice little cabanas there that you can go to but i don't know i want to check out some of these other places that you're mentioning i yeah, want the true brooklyn experience yeah i mean if you go over to like um, manhattan beach it's actually a gated community mm-hmm. um but you can you can go everybody can go over there and it's very suburban there's these very large homes and very manicured lawns and you just kind of feel like you're in a different place and it's kind of a nice escape to be honest um it's also a reminder of you know um a little bit of a friendlier place and it's it's lovely i love it okay i'm i'm down i'm checking yeah. it out um you mentioned ruth gator ruth bader ginsburg graduated from your high school that's uh that's got to be tough to like try to live up to past graduates yeah all of these political figures and all these kind of yeah it's it's and you know who else graduated from my high school judge judy oh wow yeah i mean you've got it all now it's yeah it's absolutely i mean we so my high school kind of specialized in law which i guess makes sense Mm-hmm. Um, given the people that graduated from there, but it was never it was never a route that I wanted to take or ever <laughs> even explored. But it, it's it's a nice piece of history, um, especially for people who don't know about it. Um, you know, it's it's a very. I mean, my my high school had like four thousand people in it. Wow. So it's, yeah, I, I'm assuming that during Ruth Bader Ginsburg's time, it was a little smaller, but um, yeah, it's wow. still the same <laughs> 4,000 future judge duties exactly <laughs> she's apparently worth more than kind of everyone on television I've i'm heard. sure because there are a million of those now it's going to be hard for anyone any one of those judges to really get out ahead of the rest and make more money but you know it was people's court and judge judy were the two big ones Oh, my God. Yeah. And she had such a personality. I mean, mm-hmm. her personality just met, made for television. Oh, yeah. I saw her tape for Late Night with Seth Meyers. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. she's getting asked to be on the Judge Joe Brown, not getting asked to go on Late Night. <laughs> I liked him a lot, though. I, I do, remember, too. I feel like I w- liked watching him more or I've seen more of him than I saw of her growing up. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe because of his time slot, he had that later in the day time slot when you would come home from school and there'd be like nothing else to watch. Yeah. I feel like that was, you know, prime television. Oh, yeah. You were mentioning how you didn't want to go that law route. Um, (laughs) You stayed in New York. You went to... I went to Hunter College. So you you stayed in the area and uh, eventually you found your way into the ad agency world. Let's talk a little because you're at 
right now you're at a very prestigious ad agency. You know, you're, you, McCann is huge. You're a senior copywriter there. Mm-hmm. But um, let's talk about how you ended up there before we dive into what you're doing there. How, what precipitated that choice? Like what things were you doing before that that led to it? Yeah. So, you know, I kind of went into college, you know, I come from a pretty conservative Jewish family. And I think my parents as immigrants always just kind of wanted me to be the best version of myself, even though they never put any kind of pressure on me, which I'm very fortunate about. I always kind of felt, you know, subconsciously that maybe I was going to be a doctor or a nurse or something that Mm -hmm. is very easily explainable to their friends. Mm -hmm. Or at least somebody in finance, you know, my brother's in finance and just automatically everyone just kind of gets what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went to uh, I went to Hunter College. I studied psychology and minored in English. Um, but, you know, I think everybody always has something that they're good at growing mm-hmm. up. And I definitely fought for something that I was good at. You know, I, you know, I did ballet, I danced, I did some sports, but kind of nothing really fit as my thing. And, but I was also always very good at writing. You know, I, it was just something that came very innately to me, but I never really thought about it as a, as a career choice. And then, um, I think my sophomore year of college, I had a friend who worked for, um, an advertising agency called Gray New York, which is also very big and prestigious here in New York. And he was an art director and I, my mind automatically gravitated to the word director because I thought he had this like huge job and kind of a corner office, you know, but, um, he was hustling and he was making ads and he worked on the E-Trade baby ads that were really, you know, famous in the, in, yeah, yeah, back in the two thousands, I guess Mm -hmm. he was like, you know, let me tell you about this job and kind of what it entailed. And, you know, I went to all these parties and I, and I learned more about it and I really Googled copywriting or just advertising in general. And it just felt so natural for me to go that route. Um, you know, I thought psychology was for me. I even worked at a children's hospital at one point. Um, but I felt like something was always missing, something that I really enjoyed doing, which was writing. Um, and I never wanted to go the starving artist route. Um, just because I just felt my mother's voice in my head all the time, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. and so copywriting just felt like one of those things, but you know, I ended up graduating with again a degree and I actually changed my major, um, right after I met him and ended up changing it to media studies and graduating with a degree in media studies and a minor in both psychology and English. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, trying to get a job in advertising, especially as a creative in advertising, mm-hmm. is very difficult if you don't have a portfolio. It's almost impossible. Yeah. You know, you can go an account person route or you can go some sort of more managerial position. But um, that wasn't for me. So I heard about this place called Miami Ad School. And apparently their their success rate for getting you a job was in advertising was like 99.9%. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. You know, I had no loans in in college. I'm gonna have some loans for after college. So, which was, you know, now that I think about it, I, I was like, why did I do that? But um, <laughs> it was a really interesting time in my life. I went to ad school. I didn't know anybody. 
Um, nobody really knew what I was doing. My family couldn't kind of put it into words. I couldn't really put it into words because I, I kind of knew what copywriting entailed. You know, I know you have to write taglines, but mm-hmm. it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was a bit of a shock to me, but it was a wonderful shock. And so I, I completed ad school and, um, figured I don't want to do advertising anymore. <laughs> And uh, I took this very long, you know, seven, well, in my mind, it was long. It was like seven months of me kind of sitting in apartment, my apartment in, in Gramercy and kind of wondering, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. And I started to freelance again and just kind of went, you know, different routes. And my friend Lizzie had just gotten a job at McCann. And she had asked me, she's like, Lena, can you just do me a favor um, and uh, write me a recommendation? I need a recommendation letter for this place, even though she was already hired. Mm-hmm. And I remember writing this recommendation letter and just kind of having a ball with it, just being like, Lizzie is just sunshine and she's just so wonderful and all these these things. And probably, I want to say, maybe six months later, I got a call from McCann myself. <laughs> They're like, hey do you want to come down here and, and interview? And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Mean, and that was just because of the I recommendation. So. Letter. I, mean, I want to say that it was, it may have been LinkedIn. It may have been just kind of the universe bringing these things together. I really believe in this and that, mm-hmm. but it just, it felt very, um, very conspicuous and kind of like, okay, this feels like a catalyst for something. And I remember the day before my interview, I was my, one of my best friends was getting married and we went to get her, um, and we were picking out her wedding dresses and I had this panic attack and I was like, I don't know if I want to do this interview. I'm so nervous. I don't know if this is, you know, what I want to do. Um, but the next day I came in to interview and there's this, this wonderful space at McCann where kind of everybody congregates and there's coffee, free coffee and, you know, people have meetings and, or they're just talking. And I remember the moment that I was there, I was just like, okay, I feel so calm and I feel like this is the place where I want to be. And it was, and I've never really had that before where I felt like I was in the right place at the right time. And um, I had this interview and it was, and it was, and went really well. And, uh, the guy who interviewed, interviewed me, he was, I think I want to say he was a senior copywriter at the time and he gave me an assignment to do. Um, and I was like, okay, that's fine. So I went home and it was like, write a bunch of taglines or headlines, I think at the time. And it was for, forgot what brand it was for, but I did it and I sent it out and I didn't hear anything back. Mm. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> And my mom goes, I, don't, I didn't think you wanted to do this anymore. And I was like, no, this was the place. I'm telling you, this was the place. And yeah, I ended up not do, not hearing back for three months. Wow. So what kept you going and, and still, was it just because the connection felt so right that made you keep wanting it? I mean, yeah. during that three months, did you sort of lose it a little or were you just devastated? <laughs> I was, I was upset. I was waiting for that call. I kept, you know, looking at my text messages. I mean, my email um, messages and just kind of wondering what's going on. And I would email the recruiter back and forth and she would say, oh, we're restructuring. And I always thought that was code for, you know, we're not really interested in you, but thanks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I remember distinctly redo, like 
reorganizing my apartment at the time. And I was like, I'm going to bring in some really cool energy into my apartment. And I'm not really one to like talk about energies or chakras. Um, you know, I'm a yogi, but I'm not that much of a yogi, uh-huh. you know? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to do this right. And um, I, I got a call back in October and I went for a second interview, I think, on a Wednesday. And by Friday, I was at McCann. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was a very, um, it just, it, I feel like it was just one of those things that was meant to be. And it's been almost four years. And it's been a real, a real, um, a real pivotal time in my life and really awarding. That's excellent. Yeah. Let's talk about the work that you're doing right now. Um So you've worked on, obviously, a lot of different campaigns and things, but uh, what what are some that you've worked on, and uh, what exactly goes into it? I know you've mentioned writing taglines and headlines, Um, so let's uh, let's delve into that right now. So I think the first misconception, or the kind of the the real um, idea of advertising, needs to surround this idea of concepting Mm -hmm. and creation and thinking about ideas as a whole. And a little apart from, you know, writing a good line or writing, um, you know, a good script. Because I think those those kind of come a little bit more organically once you have an idea. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I learned in ad school was this idea of how to concept, how to kind of free your mind to think about what could be possible, what you can do for a brand, how you can solve a problem or amplify a product, but really connect to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had this... I've always been super interested in psychology. And so I think that for me, that's been kind of very helpful in terms of when I ideate with my partner. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're coming into advertising, I think the first thing is, you know, I would kind of rid your mind of the cliches and, <laughs> and, and think, you know, I'm not going to be sitting at my computer writing headlines all the time. You know, mm-hmm. half the time you are thinking of the bigger idea and, and what can, you know, amplify um, a headline basically. Mm-hmm. You know, some people start with headlines because it kind of helps them um, and move their idea forward. But, you know, whenever I, let's say, you know, I worked on a holiday spot um, this past holiday season for Microsoft and it was an animated spot that we kind of put together very quickly. And um, my parents, I was like, oh, my spot's going to be on TV, guys. Or my friends, I was like, my spot's going to be on TV, guys. It's going to be during, you know, this this football game. It's a big deal. And they were like, you know, they watched the spot. And they're like, so what part of it were you responsible for? <laughs> and I'm like, all of it. And they're like, so you animated these these little creatures? And I go, no. <laughs> the story arc you know, or the, or the story that kind of comes together or the idea of why we're doing this in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that spot was really fun to make. I've never worked on animation before. And for anyone going into advertising, it's one of the harder, um, things to do because you're, you're working with kind of a vendor and somebody who's bringing your animation to life. And, mm-hmm. and there's, a you know, you can't go back in time. You can't re-record animation, you know, right. once you're kind of there, it's there. So there's a lot of less, um, a lot of lot less kind of time for you to screw up, right? Um, and so yeah, you know, if you're if you're going to go into advertising, I think the first thing is you have to learn how to concept, 
or you have to be able to find ways to do that. You know, um, one of the ways that I like to do is kind of free, kind of free form writing and just kind of write the first thing that comes to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, one of the things that our CCO um, has actually brought to McCann was this idea, um, his name is Rob Riley, and he brought this idea of, you know, writing, uh, writing, thinking of your idea in a kind of a newspaper headline sort of way. Mm-hmm. So what publication write about your idea on the day that it launches? Okay. So kind of thinking that PR headline is what he calls it, and it's actually very helpful. Yeah, it sounds um, like it. Yeah. So now when we're concepting, it's like, we'll always kind of start with, you know, I work on Microsoft. So be like, Microsoft does blah, 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 releases this and that. And you, you kind of see if there's a little bit of um, of, of excitement when you read that line, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you kind of check yourself a little bit. I think also a great way for people to, you know, think about ideas is simplicity is always best. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can explain your idea in one to two sentences, that's something that A, will be much easier to present to your bosses, and B, is just kind of helpful to test it if the idea will work. Right. Um, a lot of people think, you know, there's a lot of problem solving in advertising as well. So kind of knowing, um, knowing what ticks the consumer, mm-hmm. um, is really useful. I think for me, I always try to take myself out of, you know, my mindset and kind of, you know, I think in New York, we live in a bubble and the rest yeah. of America is, you know, very different than us. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a weird thing, too? I mean, not to deviate too much, but that is kind of odd that so much comes from here. So many of the leading ideas or, you know, a lot of the stuff that's created that people, music people listen to, shows people watch, whatever, uh, magazines. There's so many things that are hubbed here. And this is like this this sort of like one of the, the main cities to get stuff. But the way of life here is so completely different than the average Americans. Oh, for sure. And I think that the way to um, kind of work around that, if you do work in advertising in New York and you're talking to someone who lives in, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, Mm -hmm. is, you know, reading a lot and kind of, you know, learning about different cultures and and traveling and seeing how the the other half lives, if you, you know, for lack of a better word, but Mm -hmm. um, just kind of, I love to people watch because I think it's really helpful for my trade. Uh-huh. You know, uh, I think kind of learning about other people's cultures and um, just knowing what's going on in the world mm-hmm. and being sensitive to that, I think it's, it's very helpful in creating really wonderful work because at the end of the day, you want to create something that resonates with someone right. and, you know, you, you want to find some sort of insight that really anybody can relate to. Right, and, right. And you can't relate to them if you don't know how they're living. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I think just trying your best not to be ignorant. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just, it's one of those things that sometimes happens when you live in New York and like me who grew up in New York. But, you know, I also come from an immigrant family. So I know the struggle of everyday life. Um, I've seen it in my parents, you know, who work two jobs here. Um, and just kind of reminding myself that other people besides me exist in the world um, is really helpful. And uh, I think it's helpful in just kind of all aspects of life and career. 
when you say you people watch, because I, I like people watching, what is it people should look for, right? Because some people, when they people watch, it's just for entertainment. But yeah. when it's to try to learn and grow and, and see how other people are and, and absorb that, like what is it you're looking for and how are you absorbing it so that you can utilize it later? Yeah, so, um, you know, I I actually have a very short commute to work, which I get I'm kind of upset about oddly. And, you know, people will think I'm crazy when I say this. I literally have like three stops um, mm. to my office. But mm, that's so I, lucky. I know. But you know what? I love taking a train, especially when it's packed during rush hour. It sounds crazy. <laughs> it but it's, I, <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess if you do it every day, it's not that fun. Well, but, I mean, <laughs> I just don't like it when it's like you can't move. But yeah. I do like the long train ride that I have, but I end up getting it in my, you know, whatever I'm listening to on my iPhone a little too much. Yeah, I do that. I, you know, I listen to my music or I listen to a podcast, but I'm usually just watching people. I find yeah. it interesting because yeah. not in terms of, you know, people are crazy on the New York City subway sometimes and you see the craziest mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. but more of just, you know, you learn about different cultures that way, mm-hmm. um, kind of different mannerisms that I think help. A lot, oh, yeah. especially if you're writing a script and you and you really want to kind of figure out this person that anybody can relate to, like just kind of a mashup of um, all the people that I see kind of, you know, will will come into those things or th- certain things that people say. You know, I remember I had to write a script kind of in in the voice of like a 12 year old girl. And mm-hmm. I don't really know any 12 year old girls, but I've overheard the, the things that 12 year old girls have said on the train. And I've kind of kept that to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll be like, oh, this is how they're talking about things now. This is what they're really into. Or I'll observe someone, you know, on the phone, um, just kind of watching certain things. And I'll be like, oh, well, this is what people are into now. And just, you know, taking that all in um, oh, yeah. is is really, it's, it's great. I think it's great for anybody, but it's also great if you want to fuel your creativity a little bit. My favorite thing to see when I people watch on the subway is how people who seemingly are from different parts of life or are in different stages of their life affect one another. Yeah. Like there's some some kid on a the young kid on a on the subway, like very little, and there's a young lady, like a you know, twenties, twenty something oh. lady right by there and like the joy that it brought to her face. Just to see this little kid was sort of like, that's really, this is a nice moment to just observe. Is that me? I, I, I literally had this exact moment yesterday on the train. I was on a really, um, on an early train to work and there was this father bringing their, his two, like, I want to say five, seven year old boys to work. And I just found it like the best 10 minutes of my life. You know, they were, I, it was, no, it's it was really not, great. Yeah. No, it, yeah. I don't. It wasn't you, but I'm. I'm sure I will one day see you on the train smiling at a child. <laughs> yeah, like, and it wasn't even like interacting. It wasn't the interaction. Right. Yeah, you that's know, it me. was just seeing them. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. You know, I have to like just you know. I'll be like, Mom, I saw this really cute kid on the train today. She's like, What is wrong with you? What's going on? You know, <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? But, um, yeah, it's this, it's, it's also, I think, um, in New York city, people think that everyone's so angry and mean and rushing all the time. But at the end of the day, we are just really nice to each other sometimes, you know, I think, 
you know, I've had so many, so many moments on the train with strangers where, you know, somebody didn't feel well or, you know, somebody looked like they weren't feeling well and somebody gave up their seat or even when you get stuck underground and if somebody starts panicking, there's just these strangers that come out, kind of come out of nowhere and help each other. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. really wonderful. Um, Agreed. And I think it's good to sort of absorb all that and, and file it away and try to be able to access it later when you're trying to create stuff, because that is how it's, that's, that's going to come out in the work, hopefully, you know, and it's going to help others relate to it. And uh, I guess hopefully it comes out in the ideation process. Is that where, where some of that can come out where you're, conceptualizing? Yeah, for sure. I mean, writing this stuff down, like people, I know a lot of people who, you know, have little diaries or they'll use their notepad on their iPhone or or whatnot. You know, I use the notes section on my iPhone to kind of write, jot little things down here and there Mm -hmm. um, that I see um, or ideas that pop into my mind. You know, I'm not one of those people that has ideas in the shower. I try to, but they, they just don't come. I'm just kind of too relaxed, I guess. But um, yeah, just just always kind of writing things down and just kind of keeping your eyes open and being in the moment, I think is, is super important. When you are conceptualizing, um, what comes before that? I mean, is it that, okay, we're working on Microsoft, it's this is the product, or this is the thing they want to talk about right now or have a an ad for, and then you just start figuring out what matters with that or like what's the important thing or what that headline would be? Yeah. So, um, it's kind of, you know, there's different asks. So sometimes you'll work on TV asks or sometimes you'll work on digital asks Mm -hmm. and, you know, first it's always the account, um, and strategy group kind of trying to figure out either the problem or the product they want to, they want to speak to, and then they'll give us a brief. And the brief will kind of, you know, here, this is what we're trying to cover. These are the, you know, what we really want to advertise. And now it's the holiday season and whatnot. Um, and then from there, it's kind of like, so, you know, here is your time to shine, guys. Um, try to figure out a cool way for us to, to make this all happen, mm-hmm. you know? Um, sometimes it is, you know, a problem in the market or, or it's just, you know, a new product or, or whatnot. So it's, it's always different. Um, and there's a large group of people who come together to kind of make the idea work at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, different asks, different time slots and, and different areas of your brain working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, um, one of the things that made me want to have a copywriter on is because I think they're for the improvisers who are listening and stand-ups who are listening, there really is a lot of overlap if you were to do a Venn diagram of the three 100%. different things, because so much is, it's all just communication and it's all relating to people and finding a way to present something um, that's entertaining. Um, different kinds of entertainment, maybe in some cases, you know, obviously improv and standup is, they're focusing a little more on humor, uh, and presenting humor, but obviously there's humor in ads as well, but there's so much overlap in what the, the job is, which is to take an idea and to try to find a way to break it and, and show it to people. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, um, 
I took an improv, not an improv, I'm sorry, a stand-up course um, back in ad school, and and it's still one of the most um, influential things I've done in terms of how I navigate my career and mm. and how I present my work and how I even get my work done. You know, you have to always be, you know, have to think on your feet. You have to think humorously. You have to think, you know, you have to be able to have people relate to you. You know, I think comedy is only funny if you can really relate to it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a, a huge overlap of these things. Um, I think that's, I think that might be why I always laugh so much at work. Um, I think the people that I work with are hilarious and I can't get enough of them sometimes. It's really like coming to work and being around comedians all day long. And there's quite a lot of uh, people in advertising, especially creatives who take improv classes because, you know, when you're presenting to a client, um, you want to be able to think on your feet. You want to be able to find creative solutions very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, so it's, it's definitely, it all kind of merges together at the For end sure. of the day. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, when, when you're in this process of, uh, trying to, I don't know, crack something open, mm-hmm. what's kind of going through your mind? Cause you're, are you, are you, you're, you're just sitting in. You said you're free writing? Yeah, sometimes I'm free writing. I mean, you know. A lot of stuff is just coming out, and you're just like uh, putting things out to see what is coming out. I mean, that's sort of the weird thing about this, I guess. Yeah. You're just trying a bunch of things until something strikes you. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, you know, um, I think you just have to kind of wrap your brain around everything. Yeah. And you you're know. trying to find different angles too with this. You're trying to find in some cases maybe an angle people haven't thought of or at least the like nugget uh, that's at the core of what the topic is. You know, like here's the thing everyone's going to relate to because they all can observe that this is the thing. Yeah. That this uh-huh. is, you know, whether it's a problem or just uh, a thing that everyone's noticing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you try to, you know, you kind of either break it down into little insights or you break mm-hmm. it down into little kind of buckets. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you know, pieces of interesting content, you know, sometimes you're super um, organized with your thoughts. And sometimes I think it's easier to just kind of be a mess and then mm-hmm. sort it out later, you know, um, and you're also working with a partner. You know, so most of the time you are thinking with another person who has a different perspective mm-hmm. and, you know, um, it's, it's, you're like, wait, I haven't thought about that. And then, you know, that kind of leads your mind into a different direction. And, um, you know, there's all these different things driving you like, you know, oh, what, what has this brand done in the past? Or what has this person done, you know, um, in, in another life of theirs? Like what, what, there's just so many factors that kind of go into it. And you, and you really have to kind of dig into all of them. You have to be open to a lot of failure. Yeah. And I mean, okay. that's the thing. It's, it's, and, and maybe it's, you know, as someone who's really been focusing on, on improv lately, um, you, you have to kind of quickly get to the good thing because it's yeah. the moment you have it right now. But when you're writing a joke or, you know, you're, if you're a musician, you want to write a new song, or if you're a copywriter, you have to like throw out a bunch of stuff and some of it is going to be terrible. And yeah. y- you just have a lot of sort of wading through all of that 
before you get to the good thing. Oh, 100%. I think that's a big obstacle for a lot of people, but it is the job. It's the job. And I think it's every job, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in every job, there's always a point where you're like, you, you hit a wall or you, you you just need a break. And I think that taking those kind of breaks and those moments away is really helpful because you kind of regroup, you know. And I think mm-hmm. that that's why having um, – when you're concepting, especially when you work in the agency, you really, you know, agencies are set up now where you kind of have a lot of freedom in terms of, you know, where you're sitting. You're not, you don't have to be focused on your computer the entire time. You know, you're kind of really having more of an organic conversation with your partner or just kind of with yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's very helpful. And then, you know, taking those much needed kind of moments off is really important. Um, and and just kind of knowing that every every career you just kind of get to it right. I can only imagine my brother's my brother's an investment banker, and I mm-hmm. and I think about him looking at spreadsheets all day, and I'm just like he has to hit a wall, you know. <laughs> There's yeah, not that's a the thing. Thing in the world yeah. from hitting a wall. Oh yeah, and that's and attorneys they have to do a lot of reading, and they're not uh, reading this the sort of stuff you and I would normally read. They're reading this weird jargon and you just have to have a sort of uh, capacity to go through all of oh, that, to just sift yeah. through all of that. And yeah. and I guess for creatives that you have to have a capacity to suck for a little bit or for all of your ideas to just not be interesting ideas that are just coming out of you. But if you give it a little while then you can start getting to the good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, but I also think that having, you know, ideas that suck and just kind of writing those down mm-hmm. and even presenting them, I think can be really, um, can, can change things. Like not mm-hmm. everybody's going to see your idea as something that doesn't work, you know, True. Um, sometimes they will, but you know, I've had bosses in the past who have taken ideas that I personally were like, Oh, this, this is horrible. And they were like, no, this is actually really great. Let's attack it from a different perspective or let's attack it from, you know, this this angle. And, and you're like, wait, I haven't thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, it just needed a little tweaking. So I think that, you know, in general, yes, there's so many ideas that are, that will suck and die, <laughs> but you just have to write them down. You have to just kind of go with it and you have to have a lot of confidence. Yeah. You know, even if they suck, you have to have confidence because there's a part of you, I think, that can just, you can make most ideas you can make better. You know, you can always make something yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's because it is it is really just like what is the a different perspective or a different angle we should go at this to make it better, uh, to right. improve on it. It just needs this extra little ingredient, and that's but that's totally true. And that's you know I've had a ton of situations where I had written a joke and I go to the open mic and I'm like, well, this is a dumb joke that no one's gonna like, but I'll just go and tell it because it's a thing that came out. Yeah. And uh, you tell it and it goes well. You know, you never know. <laughs> oh, uh, you never know what people are going to laugh at until you're there. So, yeah, it is, you're, you give really good advice in saying, write that down and sometimes even present that because somebody else can come in and say, no, this will actually work if we just do this, this, and that. That's, uh, that's okay. pitching, you know, essentially. That's, what, that's the whole purpose right. of it. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, I think we're our own worst critics. 
Yeah. So it's it's kind of hard sometimes to kind of get out of that headspace and 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 see your idea as wonderful. I mean, I it's you know it's very rare that you're kind of reading through your ideas and you're like this is this is it. I just know it. And you know, and if you and you have that mentality, it's going to be a very 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 long drop for you <laughs> if you're an advertising because because that doesn't usually happen. But right. um. Yeah, it's 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 also fun. You get to experiment. Like advertising, so fun. You literally can think of the most craziest things, and mm-hmm. and if you said it to someone who doesn't work in advertising, they'd be like, "What are you talking about?" And you're like, "No, like <laughs> I can actually make this happen." Like there are so many so many amazing commercials out there, so many amazing ads out there that you're like, "What? How do they even think about this?" Well, yeah, and that's something that if I didn't ask this, my dad would not let me live it down uh, because so many times he's watching a commercial and he's like, now how did they come up with that? Because it was so crazy um, and usually he's saying it because he doesn't get it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to get certain things but when uh, when there is a commercial that takes this weird turn or it's just like really crazy commercial or something like that, uh, like how do people just come up with that? I mean, I kind of know but um, just for the listener who may, maybe doesn't, how yeah. do they come up with those Skittles ads where it's like it's Skittles oh. pox? You know, like how does – what is going on in the room there? You know what? I honestly think that advertising is made up of some of the most interesting people. Yeah. Now, I think everybody comes from kind of a different place, um, a different upbringing and, you know, a different childhood and kind of all this kind of melting pot – of things um, just kind of works, right? There's so mm-hmm. many different people usually working on an idea, and just you know, if you if, it's, if you co- bring all these different people together, you're bound to get some kind of crazy, crazy ideas. And you know, I think you're always encouraged to think crazy, to think, <laughs> yeah. you know, to think outside the box, but really outside the box, you know. <laughs> um, and that really pays off at the end because. It's it's really first of all it's incredibly um, rewarding to be able to kind of think freely like that and to have a job that allows that kind of thinking and encourages that type of thinking. You know, you really let your mind loose. It's it's like a mental exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's probably you know somebody said something in a room and didn't think it was it was cool and thought it was probably stupid and then everyone was like, wait, that's actually really really interesting and super weird. Yeah. And the weirder the better. Right. Yeah. I've had so many times where I've, where I've had, you know, my creative directors tell me, just think, you know, get weirder, get weirder. And I'm just kind of trying to rack my brain. I'm like, I don't, I don't, and I'm weird, but I don't know how weird I am. <laughs> so yeah. And just you're inspired by so many different things and film, you know, I think film is so mm-hmm. important. Um, and just kind of knowing, um, that you have this, this opportunity to, just kind of really unleash all the craziness inside your mind and onto a page or, you know, into a 30 second commercial on TV is. Yeah. It takes a fearlessness to, uh, let sure. that weirdness come out. Yeah. But I think it also, it also takes, takes a lot of experience, um, and a lot of, you know, time really, you know, the brain is, is a muscle at the end mm-hmm. of the day. And, mm-hmm. and, I don't think everybody in advertising is, you know, innately born with this ability to concept. You know, I yeah. think it, it, it really, the, the more years I am, I spend in advertising, the easier it gets in terms of just kind of taking some time to really just go to the, 
deep ends of my brain and and figure things out and but yeah it's you, you keep practicing and it gets easier and, and more fun and you get a little loose you know and and mm-hmm. you're just like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna think really wild thoughts and it, it's fun yeah yeah it's great great stuff now if someone wants to get into this kind of work um mm-hmm. There are a lot of, you know, I'm on LinkedIn and Indeed, and I see a lot of freelance copywriter jobs or junior copywriter and copywriter this and that. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, you were mentioning earlier about going to the ad school you went to, Mm -hmm. um, and you were saying no one will hire someone without a portfolio. Yeah, Um, to be a creative it's you know unless you're kind of in the agency already mm-hmm. and uh you've contributed to the creative work it i mean i i still feel like that's a rarity it's very hard you need to have a portfolio and right. to yeah you can either make one on your own mm-hmm. you know if you have somebody who if you're a writer and you have somebody who knows photoshop or you know photoshop to kind of create um some sort of ideas and put them you know in in adobe and and then upload them to whatever website you use Mm -hmm. that's cool but you know from my experience it's been um you know a lot of different ad schools and there's quite a few in the country so Um, yeah and um one of the things i think that people they move to new york and they they're just trying uh, this is what i did a year and a half ago uh just trying different things they want to go in a certain route and they've maybe kind of had some of that experience but they didn't have the uh they didn't go to ad school you know like i didn't go to ad school but um looking at copywriter positions is there some other in i mean if uh, if someone were to get some freelance work what is the likelihood of them really getting to have much more of a career other than that could that be the uh portfolio that they use Sure. I mean, you know, if you take the freelance work that you've created and um, kind of upload it, it might be something of interest to another agency or to any agency. You know, it, it just depends on the scope of your work and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, what you're looking for and what the agency is looking for. Mm-hmm. So I think, of, of course, um, there's a, there's millions of ways around things. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, but I think, you know, kind of the sure way in is to or you'd be able to get an internship some way, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's probably, um, a, a way to be, to get in. But that also, I feel like sometimes deserves, um, you need, you need to show your portfolio. So yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's definitely tricky. Um, cause I think that it depends on which agency you're looking at. Smaller agencies probably are more likely to, you know, to take someone who's just had freelance work and doesn't really have like a concrete traditional portfolio. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's all kind of, it's all kind of up in the air, you know, but I think that you, you just have to want it. Right. Right. At the end of the day, you yeah. can just make things happen. For sure. Yeah. And, and I, there are a lot of ways people can be crafty. You were mentioning that by saying, you know, someone can put together their own portfolio if they have a friend who can, can work on it. Um, where can people see a example of uh, where can people see examples of good portfolios for copywriting so um, they could create their own? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the best way, the best place to go is, you know, creativityonline.com or ads of the world. 
Mm-hmm. And Ads of the World lets you kind of look through um, everything, or there's like multiple ad pu- publications out there. You know, the One Show, um, OneShow.com, I believe, or DNAD Club. Just, just there's just googling kind of a bunch of different advertising organizations, or even websites, agency websites. Just seeing the kind of work that um, that creatives are doing or agencies are doing, I think can can help. Cool. And this is what this is what you know. Every agency is looking for something different because of the clients that they have on their roster. So you know, if you have a place in mind that you want to work, it's best to kind of look at the work that they're already producing. Interesting. Okay. Very good advice. Let's end the podcast here with creating something, and um, we talked about the conceptualizing process a good bit. Maybe we could demonstrate that somehow. Um, and you say you work with a partner, so maybe I could be that partner. Yeah, okay. Uh, I don't know where the start would be for us. Uh, what, what, how would the, what's an example of what would start that conceptualizing process or stage? Some sort of problem. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Blank Brand um, is looking to, you know, uh, trying to think rack my brain now <laughs> maybe they're tr- and oh, is trying to you know get people to buy something for back to school okay you know or trying to kind of appeal to their back to school audience mm-hmm. that could be you know and it's obviously a lot more specific than that but i, I don't want to like give away too much of oh no that's no work. i think it's a good one <laughs> yeah so what would so then we would would we start tossing out like I guess from my improv brain makes me think uh, okay back to school back to school makes me think of blank uh, which makes me th- you know is that is that the same process yeah yeah like oh what what did I do when I was back to school I was really nervous about going back to school is there ah, something yeah. Um, and you know, also, I've, like, new clothes was always fun, you know, especially, like, the younger you were, like, those first few days of school. And uh, like, look at my back-to-school back to threads. Yeah, exactly. Um, super fun. Um, back-to-school jitters, back-to-school clothes, you know, having that, like, new notebook was always super fun for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, Newness was a big thing. Uh, uh the new kids in school or maybe it's a new school and that kind of still goes back to like nervousness. Yeah. And just, you know, or, or seeing your friends again, mm-hmm. um, not seeing them for a long time or just kind of being excited about a new season or really being upset that summer just ended. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> or this idea that, you know, you have, you know, um, you're kind of, you're, that that night before the first day of school, like I know it goes back to nervousness, but there's just so much, mm-hmm. I can just remember that night so prolifically in my brain. Yeah. Um, One thing I always, you mentioned the new notebooks. It also reminded me of uh, the new school books. Yeah. And the freshness of them. And sometimes when you had to, when I was a kid, when I was in elementary school, we had to like wrap our books for some reason. Oh yes. I had to do the same. Yeah. It was like in a, in yeah, and like uh, oh, paper no. bags. You take the paper bags from the grocery store and wrap them. That was the <laughs> worst. Them. That's because they were going to reuse the books next year, but they were going to make you pay for them this year. Yeah. 
And oh. and I always like you know like oh then like I have a fresh canvas now to doodle all over. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um those or binders. Oh man, oh, I re- I these are the I miss these kinds of things. Or just kind of that like new year fresh like fresh smell. Like I you just kind of feel fall. Yeah. Oh. Um that's kind of my favorite time of year for Mine sure. too. I mean I'm trying to enjoy the summer, but I love the fall. I am. I'm over it. I'm like counting down. <laughs> I was just looking at the weather app saying like, oh, it's going to be 80 a couple of days next week. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. Uh, instead of 90. Oh, my God. I can't wait. But yeah, no, it's it's there's just so much about school, you know, your yeah. friends, um, teachers. Yeah. Um, but then get into the darker stuff like bullies and oh, yeah you know and kind of get into the emotional stuff right so like bullying and or just feeling like you're not popular or just the popular kids just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of kind of you know um this this tailspin of emotions that kind of come together during the first day of school or during your a brand new school year and is the thing that would happen next after you know, if, if we've thrown out a bunch of things. Do we start seeing what connects or do we start seeing or do we start saying, like, let's take this one thread and um, expand on it? Or yeah, it I, either or it's either or, um, you know, for I think for for me personally, I'll usually, oh, you know, bullying. <laughs> I go straight for the for the, the more the more. um the more emotional, um, you know, <laughs> the, like the weirdest ad in my head, <laughs> like a kid going back to school and getting bullied and then, yeah. but he's still happy because he's got right these away. new clothes. Yeah. I go dark really fast. <laughs> yeah. It's really, it's, it's really bizarre because if you go to my Twitter, it's just so it's, 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 you know, I don't want to say funny, but it's, you know, definitely wacky. And, you know, I watch a lot of really bad reality television and laugh about it. But if I'm concepting, I'm like, so bullying, you know, refugees, you know, all of a sudden my mind goes to just these more emotional areas. But yeah, and just you would take this area and then you would just be like, what would be an idea that works for this brand or what or for this particular problem? You know, and, and just really try to hone in some sort of um, some sort of message or that you want to kind of, you know, bring out into the world or or an app, an activation that something that you want to create the physical object um, that you want to create in the world for, you know, for the first day of school or before the first day of school. So your mind kind of just goes through these different channels and advertising and seeing where an idea can land. Awesome. Yeah. There it is. Thanks so much Mm -hmm. for being here, Lena. Of course. Thank you so much. Aw, she was so great. I really enjoyed having her on. She was super fun and gave a lot of really great advice. So I hope you enjoyed that and you learned from it. Lena is awesome. Listen to me, all Lena. The beginning of the episode, I was Elena Rudkowski, and now I'm, oh, yeah, Lena. That's my pal. Yeah, we go way back, about 45, 50 minutes. Anyway, uh, she's awesome. You can follow her on Twitter at BKLens 
And you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at There It Is Pod and me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes. And also go to thereitispod.com. You can read up on old episodes and read some blogs. There's a new blog up that's about a joke that I wrote, and then I saw a better version of that joke written by Ben Schwartz about 10 days later. Uh, it's uh, it's an interesting blog about just how a joke can be written better, especially when it's written by Ben Schwartz. It's called I Wish I Was As Funny As Ben Schwartz, so go check that out. Another little update. Previous guest, Emily C. Browning, she was just in New York recently, and she just had a sold-out show in Los Angeles, and she's got over 100,000 followers now on Instagram and she's just killing it right now. She's so talented. Well, she's got a song called Lover that is on Spotify and it just hit half a million. So big congrats to her. Go listen to that old episode, but more importantly, go find out about Emily C. Browning and dig her music. She is so great. And finally, next week's episode. Oh, I cannot wait to share that with you. We get outside the box even more than maybe we ever have before. Not going to tell you what it is. It's going to whet your appetite. Please come back and check that out. It's very, very cool. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.